Hi, I'm Sarah from University of Illinois Extension. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no, 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 Good morning, Chicago. Chicago, the Mighty House team is. No, 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 no. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Yep, yep, yep. Radio, radio, radio. Ah ha! Happy, 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 happy! Boing, 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 boing. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Twenty years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at the Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are and welcome to the show and we're glad you're here yeah you say it says you it's uh well, yeah i don't have any coffee so it's hard to tell oh well that's you know you always got to have coffee before you come in the studio uh and uh it is the mike novak show with peggy malecki i oh i think we're on did we uh, uh are we on facebook live no we're not we're gonna get there soon though Okay, so you got to do it the old school way. You got to listen on uh, on the A and M radio, or you got to listen on a podcast, or tune in, uh, uh, tune in, and all all that great stuff. Uh, it's all out there, uh, all over the place. The Mike Novak Show, and if you can go to, if you want to go to Facebook, eventually it'll be up there, and and you can always hear the show at the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, and that's spelled M I K E N O W A K dot. Well, and that's the the website dot net. If you go MikeNovak.net, dot uh, you can go to Mike Now uh, on Twitter, 
at Mike Now, M-I-K-E-N-O-W. You can go to the Mike Novak Show on Instagram. We're there, all over the place. Woohoo! And um, that's the place where you would do a ding. We would go, ding! Somebody left them in his garage, in a box, sitting in a box, in the garage. They're just sitting there, just sitting there staring at the walls right now because they're not here. And I can't believe that. I don't even know. I, I, I know what happened. I moved some stuff around in the trunk, and then the, the dinger box just disappeared and ended up outside the trunk. And I have a pretty good so idea. So we're really old school today. We're really no old dinger, school. No Nothing, Facebook. no. Well, however, you know, I can... Uh, Always go to. I didn't want to play that actually. Okay, let's try. <laughs> let's. What I what I wanted to play was something more along the lines of radio. Oh, radio. So uh, we can we can play uh, that. So we're not totally old yep, school yep, here. Yep, 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 yep. Today on the show we're talking veggies. Today on the show we're talking birds. Um, it's, uh, and, and I, I want to do a shout out. Can I do a shout out here, mm-hmm. uh, to our friends? Uh, and, and this is again, where we would hit a ding, but we're not hitting a ding, uh, in, at, uh, KOTA AM and FM in Rapid City, South Dakota, who, uh, are catching the show. And we're very happy, very pleased to have them on the Mike Novak network. Uh, they're at 1380 AM and 100.7 FM. Uh, and thank you. And next week you will get a ding. I guarantee it. You ding. will you will get something like that. But uh, for today, we don't have that for you. All all we have this week is shut up, Wesley. They are uh, listening, and we're glad that they are. And uh, and they're always welcome to check us out at and give us a call if you happen to catch the show live. And again, as I said, it's on a, it's on a bunch of different platforms. And today, and we're going to be breaking in just a second, as I said, vegetables and plants that you're setting out here. And one of the reasons I gave them a shout out is their temperatures are about the same as ours, which are pretty nasty today. Um, Non-mid-May life. They're sort of cold. I was looking and they're like at 46 and we're like at 46. And and so they understand what we're going through here. Other places in the country are a little warmer, but it's cool. And that's what we'll talk about, getting things started. And then the second hour, it's international Migratory Bird Day next week in Chicago. So, all of that on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back, and we hope you stick around. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is tree keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has tree keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash tree keepers. 
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch And finish you off for dinner or lunch That's how we have to start today uh, Because that's that's all you're going to get today if you, if you plant your tomatoes Very pleased to have in the studio Renee Costanzo Did I get that more or less right, Renee? Yes. Uh, and, and Lourdes of Valenzuela Yes, good morning Okay, good morning Good to have you guys both And they're from uh, Kilbourne Park Organic greenhouse right here in the city of Chicago. It's kind of an iconic place, you know. It's uh, you guys must be very happy. You were and 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 there are various organizations associated with Kilbourne Park. There's uh, the Friends of Kilbourne Park, and and I mean, there's you've got all kinds of different uh, folks who 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 come by and they volunteer and they keep the place going. The 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 uh, greenhouses there are uh, also iconic because. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, greenhouse has been there a long time and people were talking about tearing it down. And then instead, mm-hmm. amazing, the glass got replaced and now you can grow stuff in there. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You, you need to talk. You need to talk into the microphone. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Whoa. Okay. Uh, that's okay. We're, we're, we're setting this up on the fly here. It's, it's we had a, a few technical issues. Uh, and, and we're, we're on Facebook, but we're not on our normal Facebook. If you, if you guys are watching, uh, Facebook changed their policies, so now we got to go through and, and redo all that stuff. And uh, in the meantime, we're bypassing it. So Sonar <laughs> just said, "Okay, the heck with that. We'll just do the big wide shot and 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 go with that." Uh so uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, we've got. Uh, I was Lourdes is on uh, your right, my left, and Renee is on my right, your left. That's and that's how it works. And Peggy's somewhere yeah. in there too. And. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Renee, let's start with you. You're a, uh, with the the um, Chicago Park District. Chicago Park District. Think that's exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> and uh, and you, how long have you been at uh, Kilbourne Park? At Kilbourne Park, I started three years ago on the plant sale. So this is my third plant sale, but only my second prep because ah. my first day was the plant sale. When <laughs> oh my I started. good! Being, so they threw you, they threw you into the deep end. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, that's incredible because I've been to the plant sale. <laughs> I put a photo of that. If you go to MikeNovak.net, uh, you'll see a photo of a plant sale, I think from like two or three years ago. And there's a mm-hmm. gazillion people there. A and, lot. And that's one of the things that happens here uh, is uh, you get all these people show up and you better be prepared to get in line. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, there's also, there's a good reason to get in line, uh, I should say. How many plants do you have there this year? Um, so we have probably uh, around a hundred different varieties. It says um, 150, but I think we're a little shy of that. Some of our peppers didn't germinate. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Let's start with, with some of the problems. So, uh, yes. It, because, uh, you know, I'm looking out. I played Attack of the Killer Tomatoes to get <laughs> us into this. It's, it's kind of irony because the story I want to tell you is that this week I got involved in the Facebook conversation with this group and some of the folks on the Facebook um, site. And I won't name the site so <laughs> I don't get in trouble. Uh, said, hey, we put our tomatoes out. We're really excited. We've got all our tomatoes going and we're rocking. And every- we looked at the 10 day forecast and everything's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Then today happened and yesterday happened and it's 40 degrees and raining. I checked my soil temperature yesterday. I went out in the backyard, 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's like minimum for yeah. a tomato. It's like, this is like, that's right at the edge. You know, if you want to make your tomato really, really unhappy, mm-hmm. put it in the ground at 55 degrees when it's 46 degrees uh, outside. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you had it in earlier, yeah, you can cover it with plastic, but there's no sun. Yeah. It's not going to get, those Those people are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, maybe their tomatoes will come through fine, but that's not what I want to do to my tomato. And I, and I, you know, and, and I didn't want to say, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go on the website, Facebook page and say, I told you so, but I told you so. Yeah. Because exactly. the thing, the thing I posted was I wait till June 1st. This is my rule of thumb in Chicago, June 1st. Uh, if it's 90 degrees on May 27th, yeah, I'll probably put it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what Chicago is. Now, there are areas around us that are a little warmer. But so what I'm going to ask you is, did that have anything to do with what happened with your peppers or was that completely different? Um, it was different, unfortunately. Um we had a mix-up. I went out of town, and my grower wasn't sure where um, our starting medium mm-hmm. was. So we Uh-oh. did sphagnum Uh-oh. moss and um, just like a potting mix. Right. And it ended up being just compost. And so, Wait, wait, wait. You thought you were doing uh, a potting mix, and it was compost? Well, um, she grabbed from the wrong pot <laughs> wait 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 uh, oh i know it's like you grabbed the wrong brain A- uh-huh abby normal uh, and, then you, and and you put that one out there it wasn't great so i came back from being out of town and it was a little bit of a, a crazy fiasco but so growing um, in compost did what though to the peppers um they just some of them germinated but very little they mm-hmm. stunted it was like okay. too much magnesium and we had this years back um my predecessor, uh, they had a growing medium that was mostly, I think there was a uh, an overage of magnesium. So everything gets stunted. So then once you switch it out and kind of repot some things, they can bounce back. Mm-hmm. But that was a year that people that have been going to the sale remember very uh, unfondly, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and so we had a lot of 
we had a lot less stock that year. I'm not sure. I think it was like maybe six years ago. Um, but, um, you know, the unfortunate thing is we ended up this year with a lot more sweet banana peppers and we have a lot of YOLO wonders. Um, but, but, we, but not so many hot ones? Is that the idea? Not as many hot ones. Yeah. But, but okay. Okay. Like before, our fish before, peppers are, you know, we only got half of, of the Before stock. we discourage people, I'm going to say there's still thousands of plants. Okay? Exactly. There's yeah. still thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of seedlings. But I want to get back to this because this is a yeah, learning. still come out. This is a teaching. <laughs> this is a, what we have. This is a teaching moment, though, mm-hmm. for people who are putting uh, germinating seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is. The compost is too compact and it is too nutrient dense. And so. With a seedling, you basically just want to give it substance, and then later you add the compost. Well, and also um, it, a lightness. Exactly, to, yeah. To, to the medium mm-hmm. that you're using, which is why you use uh, a, a sphagnum-based mm-hmm. medium. That's why they sell what they call soilless mix potting exactly. mix. And they even have seeding right. star, seed starter mix in stores, although yeah. I have found that you can use... Uh, a regular potting mix would usually does pretty well, but you mm-hmm. you know, but if you want to, you know, go for the seeding, right? Mm-hmm. Star, well, we seed did starter. vermiculite and sphagnum moss, and yeah. everything that we did that mixture with germinated perfectly. Yeah, it was the things that were just in the compost. Mm-hmm. It also burned, like some of that compost kind of burned, and then we had some. Well, what was the compost made from? Um, it was a donation from the um. Like the resource center, which is with Ken Dunn. Yeah. And so he donated it to us, but, um, you know, it was a little bit my fault. Like I didn't check it entirely before using it. And so now we, um, once our budget came through and our shipment came in, we used um, Purple Cow. Okay. And that is beautiful stuff. And I would ding it right there if I had my ding, uh, but I don't have my dinger today. Uh, okay. Lesson learned, though, and that's for folks listening in, mm-hmm. that um, it, it really you, you need to pay attention to how you're starting your seeds. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it's not so much – seeds don't need nutrients to get going. They just need – uh, an environment where mm-hmm. they're happy and the, the, the sprout can, the root can shoot out and the sprout mm-hmm. can shoot up. And then you worry about nutrients later. It's just right. to get those puppies going. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a very interesting story. Yeah. Now, I want to get to the good stuff in a second, but I don't want to uh, leave Lourdes uh, hanging out here because uh, uh, tell us uh, about your participation. You're a, a former school teacher. In- yes, I've taught in Chicago public schools over 25 years. And so you end up at the Kilbourne right. Park well, Greenhouse. Well, while I was teaching, happen? I got involved in a school garden. We mm-hmm. received a small starter grant from Whole Foods, two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and it was enough for us to buy some raised beds and soil. And along with parents and some teachers, we started a program for the students. And over five years, we had many students participate from kindergarten to sixth grade, and they would. They would sow the seeds, they would tend to the seedlings, they would harvest, and they would eventually eat um, the produce. So it was a really wonderful program, and it got me interested in learning more. Um, I also happened to live nearby Kilbourne Park, and I would always drive by and see the plant sale sign and started going to the plant sale. Mm-hmm. And I, the atmosphere was so lovely, just a beautiful place. It's a little hidden gem, and so many people that go there tell us that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this little oasis in the middle of, you know. Middle just, of an urban area. Of an urban mm-hmm. area yeah. that you forget where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started going to the sales and then I started volunteering at the sales. And now I participate in what is called Friends of Kilbourne Park Greenhouse. So we do a lot of fundraising to maintain and have been really quite beneficial to the development of the greenhouse itself, the mm-hmm. the roof and the um, the surroundings. We also work with the community garden plots, which are an important part of what Kilbourne Park offers. And we get volunteers from there that participate in Friends as well. So we have a good core of people who are very dedicated to keeping the programs going there. And in spite of the pitfalls that happen, like with any kind of agricultural work, um, mm-hmm. overall, I think it's a raging success. And <laughs> I like I, the idea of a raging, <laughs> raging success. It's a um, growing success. Exactly. Uh-huh. And it's, um, I always buy my vegetables. And this year, we have more flowers than we've ever had. So really? That, yes. And what kind of flowers do you have? Oh, gosh. So we you... have corn flowers. We have... Um, Sorry, I have to get to I know my you got your list in there. And, 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 and by the way, you can go to MikeNovak.net, and I've got the entire list up there Perfect. with your color-coded uh, yeah, it's a uh, wide variety. Google, yeah. Google Annuals, ma- perennials. Yeah. yeah. A lot Miracles. of annuals. We have um, right. uh, salvia, salvia exactly. sweet peas, sunflowers, some... canna lilies. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's going to be an, you know, an added bonus to, nice. to the buyers who are also interested in flowers. And um, we even have a perennial sale as well. So anything that, you know, is just based on splitting. um, We have a lot of people that bring donations. We are still accepting donations, too. Um, But for the perennial sale, that's just through the friends. And that's from a lot of the friends' backyards. Mm -hmm. So So oftentimes people this time of year are dividing their perennials, which is what you should do, especially after Well, certain perennials. It it, it depends on the perennial. Right, but after the third year of perennials, like hostas especially in that kind of perennial, the people are dividing them or they're clearing out their garden Mm -hmm. and oftentimes don't know what to do with it, um, giving them up to their neighbors or whoever. Mm -hmm. So they're welcome to bring them by Kilbourne Park this week and we will... Add that to our sale to help support the the greenhouse. Okay, uh, my question for that, and and for anybody else who does a sale like this, uh, and you're inviting people to bring their perennials, how do you keep them from bringing uh, daylilies and uh, <laughs> and and too many hostas? I mean, because that's what's going to happen, you know. But th- th- I don't know. If folks think that they're doing anybody a favor by sp- spreading more daylilies, especially orange daylilies, around and 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 plain green hostas, uh, but that's what they call them, the Winnetka weed sometimes. I've, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, there's a variety of terms. For yeah, there are. That's 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 one of the kinder yeah. terms, I, I believe. <laughs> so uh, do you actually say, hey, uh, what do you got there? No, we don't put any kind of restrictions. Mm-hmm. And re- the reality is we get such a variety of people coming to the plant sale. We get beginners or people who have are recently working on their garden and trying to provide some vegetation, and they might get some hostas mm-hmm. and some daylilies and, and learn the hard way, mm-hmm. but, but they'll do it, while others are really experienced and they have a variety mm-hmm. to choose from. So we're not certainly not, I don't think we've ever been overwhelmed by mm-hmm. it. So um, at this point, we're still okay. And, and I think some of the fun thing for people coming to a plant sale is they're not just going and buying it 
at a garden center or a big box store. There's a story behind where they came from. They're all done right there at the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, from seed onward. And it's organic. Everything is, you know, of a much better quality than you're going to get at the big box stores. Um, And you're you're right there. You can walk into the greenhouse and see where we've done everything. It's a different experience. Well, well, the, okay, the point to make, and, and again, on the show, I always tell people, if you can buy something uh, at a, uh, an independent garden center or a place like a, uh, a plant sale uh, in your hometown uh, where they've taken great care to grow different varieties, and that's one of the things that I've noticed uh, on your list, you've got all kinds of stuff that you're not going to get. Right. At a box store. It ain't going to happen, Mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. And they're all organically grown. And what does that mean, Renee? Um, So we release uh, ladybugs as our um, aphid killers. We also have uh, predatory wasps. Um, So that's just like the integrated pest management. But then all of our soil that we're purchasing, um, whether it's our starting mix or the compost, that's all certified organic. Um, the labor that we mm-hmm. put into it, um, meaning that we are not spraying pesticides or herbicides. Um, the entire greenhouse is also organic. Um, there uh, is like a part of the greenhouse that's the conservatory, and so we can't always like monitor that. But that's mostly out in the the beds and in front of the parks. But I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, I want you to explain this more to people who are interested in organic techniques. Uh, and that's Renee Costanzo and uh, Lourdes Valenzuela are here. And we will talk more about their big sale on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. <laughs> Did you have an award-winning garden last year? Yes? Did you actually receive an award? No? Then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We partied like it was 2017 which it sort of was. 46 great Chicago gardens and 26 wards were honored, and we're doing it again this year right now. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking at ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. You have until June 20th to register. Did I mention it's free and created in part by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, and some other pretty excellent organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or ChicagoGardeningAwards.org and get your garden in the game. Is that too aggressive? Once upon a time, oh, like maybe two years ago, it was really hard to buy native plants locally, but not anymore. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Go native or go home. Even nature needs a night out. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18th from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, a DJ, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. 
You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. This is the sound in the Kilbourne Park greenhouse when they're planting seeds. <laughs> oh, grab the compost. <laughs> oh, they were shaking out the compost on that one. Okay. There we go. <laughs> but but it's, but it is something like that, isn't it? I mean, you got a lot going. When we were talking earlier, uh, Renee Costanzo, mm-hmm. about problems that can happen, it's what happens when you're uh, trying to grow thousands mm-hmm. of seedlings. This is not folks in their on their uh, dining room windowsill no. uh, with uh, six plants. This is thousands and thousands of seedlings, and those things happen. But you recover and you move on, and you get. Mm-hmm other things going on. But I want to get back to, and by the way, that's a uh, Renee Costanzo and uh, Lourdes Valenzuela are in the studio from uh, Kilbourne Park greenhouse, organic greenhouse. And you were mentioning mm-hmm. organic techniques and you kind of flew by them really quick because uh, I think people are interested in organic techniques uh, to get their seeds started. And when you mention um, uh, the uh, bio, the predators like parasites and ladybugs. Tell us how you employ those in the greenhouse and can can people do this on their own and how would they do that? Sure. Um, so this is a little bit of a plug for Christine Nye over at the Shed Aquarium. Ding! Ding! <laughs> um, so that's a partnership that we have um, with the Shed Aquarium. They use space in our greenhouse um, of little that we have available, but we we make space for them because they actually purchase our... Um, predatory in uh, beneficial insects. Okay. So they buy the uh, they buy the ladybugs for us. They buy the predatory wasps. Mm-hmm. They buy the nymph like killers. Um, but then they also buy diametaceous earth because we have issues with ants as well. Um, and ants are like already, the, huh? Yes. Okay. They are the first bug that comes in, and then it makes it oh. a beautiful environment for scale for spider mites. Or mealy bug. So if you actually get them with that diametaceous earth, it tends to how, help. How, how is it that the ants uh, help bring in the scale in the mealy bugs? Um, or do they- I think it's just that they start to, they see the infected plants perhaps or something that's slightly. Oh, they're opportunistic. If, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so then they are almost, far, they farm scale and it's like really? for their future benefits so that they what can the start ants to do. eat them. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, you know, ants, uh, they're, they're farming everything. They're on your uh, peonies. And, mm-hmm. folks, the idea that you need ants to open a peony is a myth. Uh, ding. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, and they farm aphids. They, but, but they're up there mm-hmm. because there's that, that sweet, sticky stuff. Okay. Yeah. They're there for the sugar high. Right. Basically. Yeah. All right. So you, uh, how do you release ladybugs in a greenhouse? Children. <laughs> really? Yes. Get the kids. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's enjoyable at first. And at <laughs> first the bag is like, you know, there's a few ladybugs. Um, How I've, many ladybugs are in a bag? Um, I think it's uh, 
200 maybe. Okay. Um, and, you know. And just, do they come? Uh, in a refrigerator. Yeah, refrigerated, like refrigerated. So they slow down the metabolism, exactly. right? Okay. And then you usually have to, you have to mist the green, the greenhouse or wherever you're releasing them. Make sure that it's wet. You do it at dusk. So this is an after school program that mm-hmm. I work with. Um, and I give the kids just a little cup and I sprinkle a few in their cup. And it's just a bug uh, container that they can open it on their own. Mm-hmm. They can either choose to look at the ladybugs or open it <laughs> and release them. Um, but then the bag starts, you know, the ladybugs start waking up and then they're just like crawling out of this bag. And I am not a squirmish person, but I get a little freaked out when they're just really because there's so everywhere. many ladybugs. There's so many of them. And then when the kids start screaming that's a little traumatic so you have you done videos you got to do you, no, YouTube. are you kidding you need a me Facebook live i know that. you've got to do this this yes. is I, you know i'll come out there and cover it okay and i'll i'll scream too if you need me to okay <laughs> so all right so that's how you do it so and then the ladybugs we, are there overnight and they just start mm-hmm. to do their work what happens when you come in the next day i mean they're everywhere they're still uh, everywhere yeah and it's really fun for the kids that are um so you know then it's the in the morning time is usually my toddler classes, and so then that's like woohoo! We get now, to look around for ladybugs. now. Do you do this as a prophylactic, or do you do this after you've already seen aphids? Um, I do it after I've already seen. So you aphids. already had had you had some... a little bit. I don't release the entire bag. Like okay. maybe I'll do a little bit right when mm-hmm. they arrive. Um, but I want to make sure that they have s- substance to eat off. of. Okay. Um, otherwise they'll just go elsewhere and find places. All right. And what were the parasitic wasps? Now, what's that all about? Um, That sounds more, that sounds scarier than the, uh, (laughs) even though they're not, they're not wasps, they're going to hurt human beings, but. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have, uh, what we call like banker plants. So that's a plant that a bug is particularly fond of. And so. Um, I found out that aphids uh, really like fennel. So Hmm, I had some fennel growing in the greenhouse. And then when I released the ladybugs, we kept finding them on the fennel. I'm like, oh, that's not like a part of the fennel. Those are all aphids. They're just blending in very well. (laughs) But now it's become a plant that has a lot. It's an indicator plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have lots of it's almost like our breeding area. For the ladybugs, because now in the second release, I've seen that there's these mm-hmm. um, the the larvae of the ladybugs on the fennel plant. Similarly, hibiscus is a banker plant for aphids. But when we release the predatory wasps, they're just small. They look like fruit flies, but they will in, uh, put their eggs implanted inside of the aphid. Right. And then if you see a little aphid that's almost like a circle, a white circle that's been infected with a predatory wasp. And then, you know, that's a recipe. The, for... they, they, they lay eggs in them, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then the egg will hatch and then... Which is not good for the aphid. No. Not <laughs> at all. And then it'll eat off of the uh, aphid body. Now, do you get to see that? And do the kids get to see that? And do they think it's cool? Yeah, I've showed it to them. And um, most of the time they're just distracted by the I mean... bugs, but... <laughs> They do. I mean, the predatory wasp sounds much more harmful than it is. Like, if you tell kids wasps, they're usually a little bit confused. Of course, they are. And they want to think those big um, yellow jackets. Well, yellow but but jackets this is this is again a way to get kids involved. And and you know, you were talking earlier, Lourdes, about kids planting seeds in schools. Yes. 
if I had had the opportunity when I was in school mm-hmm. to plant seeds, my life would have been very different. Right. You know, it, it wouldn't have taken me till I was 40 to figure out that this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, and this is what, and, and once you've done it, you realize it's not a mystery. It's not magic and it's not scary and it's easy to do. I think a lot of folks uh, will go buy seed or, or uh, seedlings but won't plant seeds because they think, oh, I'll kill it. I'll never get it to germinate. Yeah, it's too much that, work. Yeah, right. or whatever. Yeah, I don't know how to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's really, really as easy as you plant it, you water it. As, Lord, as you said earlier, it's like you need uh, water and sun, basically. Mm-hmm. Boom, done. And then when it gets to a certain size, you either put it in the ground or you put it in a larger pot. And then at some point you put it in the ground or you put it in the pot, pot where it stays forever, What depending on what you're doing or a mm-hmm. container. Mm-hmm. Um and and gardening, yeah, it is a little more complex than that, but it's not really. I mean, it, it's as a garden communicator, and this is what they call us in the biz here. We're gar- <laughs> Peggy and I are garden communicators. <laughs> the communicator has to kind of ba- do this balance between saying it really is simple, but actually you need to pay attention to to some details, like mm-hmm. certain kinds of seeds germinate a certain way, or or you don't put your tomato plant out when it's when it's forty six degrees and raining and drizzling. Yeah, uh, that that kind of thing. Yeah, one of the big lessons of gardening is you need a little knowledge and you need patience. You know, and I think those of us that live in the Midwest and the East, soon as they, we have a warm day. We're putting the shorts on. We're out there bicycling. And so the same thing with gardening. It's like, boom, you want to get started. But there are lots of things you can plant early when it's cool. Lettuce and kale and spinach. So you can begin your gardening in this cooler weather, but the tomatoes Mm -hmm. need to need to wait. It's a shift in mindset. Exactly. If if the spring is coming later... Exactly, and change your dates. But folks, especially uh, here in the (laughs) north part of the country, and I'm saying all the way from the Rockies to to New England, this spring has been ridiculously cold. And everybody's freaking out and saying, hey, we got to get out and plant stuff. And as you say, Lourdes, yeah, go out and plant spinach. Mm -hmm. Go out and plant lettuce. Root vegetables. Go out and plant root vegetables. Potatoes, yes. Okay, that's a question. Uh, don't potatoes need it a little bit warmer to get going, or can you get them going now? I started I, them in you, the greenhouse, and then I yeah. See, you're starting in the greenhouse, <laughs> but I, I'm afraid they would the cold and wet. They'll just sit there. They'll rot. Do nothing. Yes. Yeah. Not, you know. So yeah. well, uh, we have some potatoes that when we dig them up, we don't get everything, and so then those will just mm-hmm. voluntarily start growing. So I've, I kind of use yeah. those sometimes as my gauge. Mm-hmm. But the point being that there's still stuff you can grow. Yeah, absolutely. But 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 when folks talk about their vegetable garden, you know they're talking about tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and, and yeah and may, and the occasional zucchini. Okay, none of which are and, growing in the cool temperatures. Right, they're yeah. none of them are cool temperatures. So you have to do that shift, as as Peggy was talking about. Uh, not only adjusting to the weather, adjust the kinds of plants you grow. Right. Exactly. Try going in a different direction for and, a while. And maybe stagger them. Don't plant them all on the same day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait a little bit and plant a few more. So well, one of the happens... things that's good to do is that backward counting when mm-hmm. you're planting. So how many days is it going to take for it to grow? When can I actually, you know, going from that frost, last frost date to when I expect the plant will be ready. Mm-hmm. And it helps you to plan out a calendar. And you do, you stagger it. 
It's not a major task, but it does take a minute to <laughs> well, think. It's to called, sit and think. In radio, we call it back timing. Okay, exactly. Uh, exactly. And that's the one thing radio has in common with growing vegetables is back timing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, figure out when you want it to ripen, when you want to harvest it, and then count back and back. and now this is when you plant. And yeah, sometimes people miss the date. Usually you can get a, you know, you you got a month or so in the range that you can get away with and plant it and it'll still work. Well, listen you guys, uh, I still got more questions for you and I want to get uh more information cuz I got a question about broccoli rob. Okay. Oh, which, which so, is on your list. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So, because I've got some coming up in my yard and we need to talk about that. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy, Malecki, Renee, and Lourdes are here. More vegetables when we come back. Did you know that today is Take a Native Plant to Lunch Day? Well, every day is when you grow plants from natural communities, native plants. This year, you can get your hands on hard-to-find edibles like wild leeks and golden seal instead of stealing them from forest preserves, which is illegal, and a whole forest of permaculture shrubs and fruit trees like service berries, pawpaw, and persimmon, and nut trees like pecan, hazelnut, and walnut. They even carry wild strawberries and other native fruits. Natural Communities has the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And they're happy to provide you with education about sustainability to help you succeed. It was never so easy to make a positive difference in the world around you, even if you're a foodie. Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtags in any of your social media. Hashtag 1590 WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. Sweet dreams are made of the Who am I to disagree? I mean, what sweet dream is... Uh, Probably the name of a plant. I'm thinking sweet dreams has to be in the name of some vegetable out there. I have no idea, but the, have you got, have you got, you've got yeah. one on your list there. Uh, Love and a mist. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking that's at that's a that's a flower. I'm no, looking, I know. I'm looking at sweet uh, chocolate here, which mm-hmm. is a sweet pepper that you have available. Sweet uh, savor. Uh, so, Another there's, pepper. There's a lot of these that, and and with peppers, that's a name you sometimes. That's a word you throw into the name of the pepper to. Give them a clue. Yeah, right. You got to put it's because the peppers are hot, or they're not. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the sweet ones, yeah, you should you need to uh, to let them know. Yeah, shishito peppers we have available. Mm-hmm. That one was tough to place because it's only one in a hundred that is extremely hot. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, so it's a Russian roulette kind of thing with yes. a pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And idea. they're beautiful plants. They're small. You can kind of plant them close <laughs> together, so they're good for container gardens. That's another thing that we try to consider with. Our varieties is what grows well in a, on a patio, in a pot, or close together in people's backyards because they're trying to cram as much as they can yeah. into their spaces. But part of me is like, just buy a few items mm-hmm. and nurture those plants. Give them the space that they need. Um, but that's hard to be telling Ex- people when they're so excited <laughs> about the varieties yeah. of tomatoes that they can have. Um, so it is funny seeing people at the plant sale with a bajillion yeah. plants, and you're like, where are you growing? Oh, on my patio. <laughs> yeah. okay. Overcrowding has to be one of the biggest issues. People well, just try to plant too much in a small space. And then what happens? Well, what happens is they can't grow. They don't get sufficient light. They're competing for the soil. Mm-hmm. They're competing for the sun, and it just the doesn't The yields work are out. lower. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, first of all, let's get the basics out. Next Saturday, the nineteenth yes. of May, and Sunday, and Sunday, and, and su- yes. yes, two days, Saturday and Sunday. All right, I okay, all right, I believe you. I looked at it, and all I saw was one day, Saturday and uh, Sunday. Ten, ten, ten the two. events might be separated on Facebook. Oh, uh, it was yeah. separated someplace. Yeah, yeah. but it is holy uh, smoke. There are that's two of them, two days. Yikes! And a half See, price sale the following. I thought Wednesday. it was just the one day, and uh, that's what I wrote uh, on my and blog. We missed the so. half price sale too. She said, and there's a half price. No, sale. no, no. It's the following Wednesday right. after the whatever's yeah, left. That's, that's whatever is left. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. So Saturday and Sunday, ten to two, two. at Kilbourne Park, right. which is at thirty five zero one North Kilbourne. 30. Addison and Kilbourne. Yeah, basically exactly. Addison and Kilbourne. Okay. Right. And we should mention that on Sunday, we call it Kids Day mm-hmm. because we do a separate activity of planting with them. And there's going to be a musician playing from 1030 to 1130. Mm-hmm. And um, we do have plants that we sell for the kids as well right. on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. All right. And... Um, what was my next question that just went way out of my head, just way someplace away? Uh, that's okay. Let's get to the plants. Um, oh, we also have compost for sale. Oh, I know. Yeah. Just, I was going to say compost for sale, and you need to bring cash. Yes. yes. And your own boxes cash and bags? Um, yeah. We do have some boxes and bags that we've been hoarding over the past couple of months, um, but it always helps to bring your own. Uh, okay. I want to and talk about wagons too. Wagons. <laughs> parking sometimes can be an issue. Do not let it, um, you know, deter you from coming to the sale. Um, there's usually parking that you can find along Addison or Kilbourne, maybe some of those side streets. There's no permit parking. So radio flyers, uh, station wagons, uh-huh. covered wagons, whatever <laughs> kind Shopping of wagon carts. you yeah. got. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, and and you got everything here. Uh, you've got if you go to MikeNovak.net, you've got the the list of plants, and um, that isn't going to help. You're not going to be able to fix that mic. It's just going to droop. That's what it's going to do. Uh, so I'm holding it. And um, it, you got flowers. You got uh, you know you still have a lot of peppers. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And but the thing, so you got your 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 usual stuff. Your 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 uh, usual suspects. 
which are tomatoes and peppers, which which everybody's going to come for. So, yeah. But what I want to get to is the stuff that they're not so uh, used to. Uh, and we talked about, like, um, broccolis. You've got... There's a broccoli rob she's got. Mm-hmm. A broccoli rob right there. Um, let's talk about that real quick. Because I had... Here's the deal. Uh, about three years ago, mm-hmm. um, got a... I, Lamanda Joy from the Peterson Garden Project, mm-hmm. ding, um, gave me a broccoli rob um, because I uh, was indisposed. I couldn't get to the uh, her sale, and she gave me a broccoli rob, and I planted it in the yard. Last year it came back. This year it came back. It just keeps coming back. And 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 did and you I, let it go to seed? Uh, you're you're going to say yeah, it's growing on seed. No, it's growing on the stalks. Oh, awesome. from from the Ooh. previous year. I'm thinking. Broccoli Rob is not supposed to do this. And by the way, folks, Broccoli Rob is spell, spelled R-A-B-E, pronounced Rob, yeah. and sometimes uh, Rapini, and sometimes it's got like mm-hmm. six different names. Uh, I had that here if I could find it. Have you? Do you have any idea why I've suddenly got a perennial version of Broccoli <laughs> Rob? Not exactly, but I'm wondering if just your soil might be... You know, just warm enough. That's that, what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Swiss chard is technically a perennial kale. Mm. I had kale growing for three years yeah, in the I, greenhouse, and it was seven feet tall. It, it looked like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Finally, one day, I just heard kale, and I looked up back, and I just see it on the ground. It had just fallen like a tree, and. These, the kids that come into the greenhouse are just like, Miss Renee, can I have kale? I wish I could like saw, record it and have it for like got, a grant application. I saw that just, photo on Facebook of the kale. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was tragic. The kale that ate America. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I have a kale that's that's similar. It's just it's the little sprouts are coming out of mm-hmm. the stem. Wow. Now, yeah. I've seen kale come back, and I've seen kale back come back for a couple of years. I expect kale to be that tough, but I was not familiar with the broccoli rob. Hmm. And so I harvested a bunch yesterday. We had some for dinner. Great. It was great. great. Um, and I know there will be new shoots. That mm-hmm. I, I assume there will be uh, new shoots, um, and um, uh, and uh, we will have it again. But and 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 by the way, folks, broccoli rob is not a broccoli. It is more related uh, to uh, well, it's it's a it's a brassica, right? Uh, um, and uh, I believe it's related. It's a little to, bit of a sharper flavor. Than yeah, broccoli. yeah, absolutely. Uh, also known as uh, rapa, rapine, rapone. Uh, fallen. It's sometimes spelled Rob R A A B or turnip broccoli. So um, there you go. Well, uh, what's great about that is you can keep cutting it back, and it'll keep send out new shoots. That's so, what, and that's what I'm doing. And it's tender, and it's delicious. And you've also got, <laughs> you know, you got your cabbages, your cauliflowers, your cucumbers, your collards, your, your eggplants, mm-hmm. your fennels, your greens. I am excited about the cheddar cauliflower. That's orange. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Be gorgeous. Oh, Is yeah. this a new variety? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, yeah, I'm seeing it here, but you've got three new varieties, snow crown and, and, and deep purple. Mm-hmm. What's, it's not deep purple, but deep de purple. De purple. <laughs> de purple. We're just going for color. You know, the cauliflower Why not? gets because told white that is so boring. It should only be white and, pleasing. Yeah. But it also makes your garden more interesting exactly. if you're interplanting right. like everything. The rainbow chard yeah. is just beautiful. There's and I would a lot assume of the insects, so you would attract different insects based mm-hmm. on And you've what got m- you melons, including cantaloupes and honeydews, mm-hmm. uh, and watermelons. And I have to tell you, last year uh, was like a revelation to me. I grew uh, cantaloupes 
that were the best darned cantaloupes I've ever eaten in my life. Mm. And I didn't think I, you know, I'm, I was one of those people. Oh, I'm never going to be a success. Nobody can grow cantaloupes except uh, professionals. Well, <laughs> I did. And they were wonderful. You, you did a whole video of it. Uh, I don't, did I? Your cantaloupe, yeah. I don't know. I, I know cool. I took photos and they were, I would cut these open and they were the most beautiful, perfect things oh. ever. So oh. I'm, I'm going to grow more cantaloupes this year. Yeah, yeah squash as well, which is mm-hmm. fun to grow. Yeah. yeah, both summer squash. All right, well, winter squash. squash. We're we're running out of time here. I want to thank you guys both for coming to the You're welcome. again thank you so much. next for having us. Saturday, uh, yeah, which fun. is and uh, Sunday and Sunday <laughs> the nineteenth and the twentieth and the twentieth at uh, Kilbourne Park. Park. I go to my website, MikeNovak.net. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Right back. Captain's log, stardate four two three two six point one. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hello. Uh, and it has been taken over by the Russians, but, but so the whole country. So what can I tell you? Uh, we're very pleased to have in our studio a guy who's just uh, been dealing with Russians himself, uh, Jeff uh, Scrintney. Um, and he's a birder, blogger, steward at Labaw Woods, a board member of the Chicago Ornith- Ornithological, I knew I was going to get that wrong, Ornithological Society. Uh, Judy Pollack is back. She's a friend of the show. Uh, you, you know, you were here for the Christmas count. I was indeed. And yep. I, I was trying to figure out when you were last here, and I looked, and I went, oh, yeah, that was that crazy. December 17th. Crazy yeah, you Christmas guys were show. in the Santa hats. Yeah. yeah. It was a fun show, <laughs> right? That's what yeah. we do. Nobody well, told me to wear my Santa hat that day. <laughs> uh, I will tell you next time, because we'll probably have you back for the uh, the bird count uh, this this year, so you I'll be bet, prepared. you better have that Santa hat ready, and... Uh, she is a, a bird conservationist, a Chicago Audubon Society board member, uh, Judy Pollock Consulting. She's out there uh, doing all that great stuff, increased bird habitats in the Chicago area. Um, and what else? How how would you describe um, uh, Judy Pollock Consulting, Judy? Uh, yeah, I think we're about, as you said, increasing bird habitat and also engaging people with birds. So 
There you go. And yeah, it's, and I also do some work with Living Habitats, which is a landscape architecture mm-hmm. firm. Uh, and they're here today because I mentioned Laba Woods, which is not you know it's not downtown, but pretty much smack in the city of Chicago. Uh, and uh, Cicero and Foster. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get a place. This is Jeff. You don't get a place uh, much more urban than Laba Woods and its 162 acres. Yeah, and w- what I've discovered over the past couple of years is that it, it there's nothing like it um, in uh, many uh, urban areas. This is just something that is a treasure uh, that the city of Chicago has, and Jeff is going to tell us why, and Judy's going to tell us why. But next week is uh, the Celebration for International Migratory Bird Day. Um, you should also know that we've got World Migratory Bird Day. 2018 is the year of the bird ding. Uh, if we we should get the ding sound effect. I usually have a bell there, and I left it in a, it's sitting in my garage right now. Uh, and um, this is uh, there's going to be a big celebration next week. And you know what? I plan to be there. I'm I'm coming well, by. Great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, because I know I know people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, we, we will be. see you next Saturday. That's right. That's I'm, great. I, and what you need to do is is get one of those little straps and put it around my wrist and your wrist so I don't get lost. <laughs> and, and like the little, you know, the, the five year olds. When when if I, you go in one direction at Laba, you will always find your way. Yes. <laughs> and if you get to the North Branch, and, and, if, and if you get to I ninety four. Please don't try to cross, okay? Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's what I'm planning to do. I'm, I'm hoping to be there because uh, it just sounds like it's a lot of fun. So um, let's let's talk about that. We well, just... the first thing is that, that the weather this year looks fantastic compared to what we had um, last year. We were a little bit rained out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of us were in the wait, pavilion. Wait, wait, wait. It's a week away. You don't know what the weather oh, is. Oh, I looked. This, this, I'm sure. Wait. This weekend was supposed to be sunny and gorgeous. So. Yeah, that's right. They were telling us it was going to be 70 degrees this weekend, and uh, it didn't. And, and I'll tell you what. Our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, will be here at the end of the hour. And he, and I know I tell you what he's going to tell you right now. He says, oh, uh, seven days out that we we can't really do. That's it's that's that's too far out for us to do it with any degree of accuracy. And 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 part of that is what happened this weekend. I, I, I told the story earlier on the show was the tomato folks who got their tomatoes out this week because it was 70 and 80 degrees. They said, we're done. We're ready. Let's plant them. And now it's 46. And I'm thinking, oh, that's that may not have been the wisest thing you ever did. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's the same way with the birds migrating, you know, because they have to get up here and have warm weather so that the insects are hatching out because these are all the birds that eat insects. That's why they go south uh, because there's no insects here for them in the winter. And when they come back, they need to find the insects. And I was out there this morning and all the birds were on the ground. You know, there's no there's no insects for them up in the trees they were all down uh on the on the banks of the river and on the trunks of the trees just looking around for insects so interesting because yeah yeah, the insects they don't want to fly in this weather right it's rainy and cold i mean it's one of the things even in my own backyard in logan square um when you get to the the autumn and sometimes in the spring too uh it'll be really cold 40s and uh, nothing's going on, and then you hit this day that's 50, uh, and, and you look and you see all these things flying around, all the, the whatever they are, gnats or whatever, and you and you didn't see a day before. It's just all it takes is just bump that temperature up just a little bit, and they get 
airborne. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and the birders and the photographers of birds are loving this weather right now at Labob because the birds are staying low instead of like oh. some of our canopy birds, like the Blackburnian warbler that you put on your blog. Um, that photo is of a bird that should be at the top of the canopy, 70 feet up, and we'll get glimpses of it through the oak leaves. But because of the weather, like Judy says, the bugs are staying low, the the insectivore birds are staying low, and um, photographers like me, and uh, well, I'm, I'm a hack photographer, but um, people who like I to take pictures so. <laughs> um, love this last week because the birds are low and slow, and that means we can get nice <laughs> nice photos. Yeah. That's That's and- me. <laughs> and the trees aren't even leafed out yet. That's Not what, much. That's what my baseball coach called me in high school. Yeah. Low and slow. That explains a lot. <laughs> All right. But but you know what Peggy said is interesting. I mean, the, the leaf out is so slow this year. And again, th- that we, has to do with the insects. We will get to that. Uh, Judy Pollack and Jeff Scrutney. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Nature's waking you. Something's wrong. It's nature's waking you. Win a song. Yeah, the, 
it's uh, when you see the smiles in the room, you know that uh, somebody's of a certain age. And uh, you know, some songs unfortunately never go out of style. This this song should have gone out of style thirty or forty years ago. Nope. Uh, Especially not recently. Something's wrong. Especially not recently. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, let's start there. By the way, that is Jeff uh, Scrantney and uh, Judy Pollock is also in the studio. Bird conservationists extraordinaire. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, happenings for uh, the World Migratory Bird Day, International Migratory Bird Day, next uh, Saturday at Labaw Woods here in Chicago. But, Jeff, you brought it up. Uh, it's not good. The news is I, I posted on my blog yesterday that the recent news about birding is really bad. And that is because the Trump administration has decided that the, one of the greatest environmental laws ever passed on this planet is not good enough. All right. And that they're going to undercut it. And that is the migratory who is what the? That would be Life Source. No, that would be Walgreens Pharmacy. They want, me, <laughs> they want me to come and pick up my medication. That's the Russians, and I need the medication the right now. Yeah, but the uh, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Yeah, of 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 nineteen eighteen, which is celebrating its one hundred year. It's part of the reason that this is the year of the bird twenty eighteen is because a hundred years ago uh, we got really smart. And said, well, we had just killed off a bunch of species, including the passenger pigeon. The passenger pigeon, had, had we had extirpated it uh, about four years previously. Um, and after having billions of them, and I've had um, uh, Joel Greenberg on the yeah. show to talk. Joel's wonderful. And uh, he came on when his book came out. And, in fact, I, I helped put his... Uh, video about uh, the book together they let me do some narration on it which was really fun now i know i said voice is so familiar <laughs> <laughs> uh and if you read that story you're appalled uh yeah. at how we we just don't we don't have a lick of sense as a species sometimes but then we got a lick of sense and in, and the people who were paying attention in 1918 said if we don't protect our birds we're not going to have any left and so they, they, they came up with this treaty, and it, it it only improved over the decades, adding more birds in the 70s when we started. It, you know, it looked like in the 70s, you know, playing uh, Spirit, Nature's Way, uh, it looked like maybe things would change after a really, really bad couple of decades of 50s and 60s. Those of us who grew up in there know that it was full of pollution, and, and uh, we were going in the wrong direction. And then again in the 70s, uh, we we we've got the Environmental Protection Agency, the Clean Air the Act, Clean Air Clean Act, Water Clean Act. Water Act, from a Republican administration. Uh, uh, go figure, and and the uh, the the Migratory Treaty Act, uh, which were all great things. Okay, fast forward to 2018, and the Trump administration says, "Hey, guess what, folks." That Migratory Treaty Act where we used to say if you kill birds, we're going to fine you. You know what? If you're just doing your job and uh, you're, you're – The birds fall in your oil pit? If they just happen to fall in the oil pit, you know what? We're not going to fine you because you weren't trying to kill the bird. You just accidentally killed the bird. Is that about the stupidest uh, rule you've ever heard in your life? It's it's As I wrote, it shows that these people not only do not have a heart, they don't even have a conscience. Well, uh Mike, I have to tell you that um, I'm very politically aware. I won't get into that right now. But um, I think the work at Labaz is a real interesting um, a pivot point on what you're talking mm -hmm. about. Because 
Labar Woods is, for me, the most pure example of thinking globally and acting locally. And in this political environment, I, I don't think that somebody like Jeff Scretney or Judy Pollack, despite all our hard work and efforts, can can change what is happening on the national level. But if people like us can help set an example for our community and mm-hmm. then beyond our community, and everybody can take a local patch and do something with it, um, we can make a difference. And 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 that is my that's my um, endpoint driving um, goal is. I, I won't see most of the um, restoration work that we do in its fullest glory. Um, and I understand that. I, I won't live that long. But doing it now anyway is what matters. Doing something now locally anyway right now is what really matters. So is 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 that sort of the tack that people, uh, conservationists, uh, birders in particular, are taking, looking at this, they're sort of diving into local and saying, well, Let's just focus on what we can change here at, at home. At the grassroots level. Yeah, and I think also focusing on the good news stories, you know, which there still are some out there. I think a lot of people probably don't realize the extent of the, you know, the what went on with the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, where now if you're building a home and there's like an owl nesting in the woods that you want to build it on, you can just go ahead and cut those trees down and kill, you know, the the baby owls. I mean, it's... Any anything that is not related to um, you're talking about or, the, the new rule, right? Right, yeah. yeah, which is which is pretty bad. Um, but you know, on the other hand, I think we all just in the conservation community really try hard to focus on the positive. And there's a lot of positive stories uh, again over the past many years. Mm-hmm. The DDT is a really great one where you can look around now and you see so many birds that are rebounding. You know, we've got bald eagles all over the place now. Osprey are coming back, Mm -hmm. uh, Cooper's hawks. So there's a lot of good news stories. But then, um, yeah, I I really think, um, just to follow up on what Jeff said, there are many, many, many examples of, uh, in the Cook County Forest Preserves, uh, in the Chicago Park District, uh, Calumet region. Yeah, there's been, you know, over the past 20 years, there's been, you know, just a revolution in terms of creating more and better habitat. So, and yeah, I was going to say, so what all are you doing at Labah of recreating the habitat, all the efforts you're doing? Well, thanks to the great guidance of many people, um, the first thing we did is learn what we had and, and what was wrong with it. And um, we started by taking out invasive species. And this work has been um, has been done for decades by um, the stewards, Pete Leckie and Larry Hodak, and they did it in conjunction with Waters Elementary School and the Mighty Acorns. It was slow, steady work done by students so that they could learn ecology. That kind of took off with the Centennial Volunteers, Judy, is, is it, it, with, when yeah. they got involved mm-hmm. in the fall of 2014, and we got really aggressive about removing buckthorn, garlic mustard, um, were the two that were sort of top of our, our hit list. But we wanted to, um, the, the Chicago Ornithological Society wanted to get involved with Laba because it's a very important bird migratory location. It's one of maybe the two most important locations in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. not on the lakefront. So what we did is um, we, when we remove the buckthorn, we remove structure. Structure is very important for birds for a number of different reasons. We can get into those later if we want. Um, but we had to replace that structure. And that's, again, where people um, um, who've raised money 
Um, they wrote grants to help us get money. And now we buy native shrubs and we plant them where they belong in Labaw Woods. And we, we we're, we're hoping in 15 years we will have structure that will be there for the birds to get insects and to get fruit in the fall. What is it about the location of Laba or the topography or whatever that makes it so uh, important to so many species? So you've got the north branch of the Chicago River, which has um, these forested banks. You know, it's a fairly wide strip of woods. Um, and where that north branch sort of terminates in the city and becomes surrounded by development is right at Labaw Woods. So if they're coming south, it's kind of the last place before they have to hop off and head over a whole bunch of buildings. And if they're coming north and they're over those buildings, this is sort of the first hospitable place that they see. The other thing is that birds on um, a lot of birds uh, are on the lakefront, those birds that were migrating out over the lake, then they land on the lakefront. But if it's a cold, windy day, especially if the winds are out of the east, they make their way towards the west and they're looking for some kind of shelter. So Laba is is that shelter. So it's a big concentration point. For but but as you know, if you look at the photographs, and by the way, Jeff, how do you pronounce your last name? You you got it right. If I kick you in the knee, you will have a scrut knee. Okay, a a, a scrutiny, scrutiny, a scrutiny. I like. Where's that. the bell? Okay. Ding! I know, I know. I'm such a disappointment to myself and everybody else here today. Uh, uh, but it isn't just birds at Laba, as uh, your photographs are, are a testament to. Uh, there are a lot of other critters over there, aren't there? Yeah, Labau Woods is a very unique habitat in that it was never farmed and it was never harvested for clay for Chicago brick. And that means we have an upland wet prairie that is a very unique microhabitat. Um, plus, it's just it, it is the end of the the the, ur, the non-urban part of the river. But, and going forward from there, it's 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 through the through the city. So the mammals who are there, which we have about twenty mammals, um, we have um, a half a dozen species of um, herps, um, them two snakes, a couple of frogs. Um, we've lost our amphibians. Um, they have been extirpated from the site. But all, we re- all amph- no frogs. Uh, we have. Um, I said amphibians. I meant um, salamanders. I, ah, I, I misspoke. Okay. Yeah, we have three frogs. We have the 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 bullfrog. Um, we have the American toad, and we have the leopard frog. And some of us think we might have um, western chorus frogs. Mm-hmm. But without getting into that that muck so much, it's 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 a good piece of habitat. And as you know, there's the Weber Spur Trail. It's an old railroad line that goes north from there, and that provides some habitat. Um, for the animals to go up and down. And then you can go up and down the north branch. That's all a continuous habitat all the way up to Skokie Lagoons. And it gives things a, a chance to move, a corridor. Corridors, that yeah. Corridors are really important uh, for not not just for uh, fauna, but for flora as well. Absolutely. And, you know, there's other things that we've discovered at Labai. I mean, it's it's probably the only place in Cook County that we have the um, swamp darner that breeds regularly. Um, that wasn't known until we started doing our work at Labai. And um, we have a, a subspecies of the Appalachian brown um, butterfly that um, is is in Labai Woods. And again, when I told the um, the people who do the butterfly things, the, the people who wrote the book on butterflies in, in um, Illinois, um, they didn't believe me. And, and I showed them photos and they're like, wow, well, I'll need to see that. Um, How and, long ago uh, was that? Um, it's 15. We found them in 15, I believe. Hmm. Um, uh, oh, so this is a really recent. Now, do you see species coming back to there because of the work that you've done? Well, for two reasons, yes. Um, uh, American mink um, have moved downriver, and now we have at least two females, one who's raised um, at least three litters um, that I'm aware of, 
and um, our, our efforts to um, put um, native s- shrubs back in has helped. And then, of course, we're constantly throwing seed out. That's all <laughs> from within 15 miles of Labaw Woods that's gathered painstakingly by volunteers and then dispersed in the winter. And that's helping us in our, our, our reclaimed buckthorn areas get the native um, fauna back. What kind of uh, native fauna have you seen coming uh, up? Judy? <laughs> <laughs> the, fa- the fauna, not the flora? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Flora. Flora. Yeah. flora. Yeah. Uh, that was my mistake, I think. Yeah. So we have a lot of nice native grasses coming coming back and then um, all kinds of uh, a bunch of sedges uh, and then lots and lots of different kinds of uh, wildflowers. There's, we just have had hepatica and now we've got some nice flocks and you know those are some of the spring flora the trout lilies uh the may apples and and all of that spring ephemeral and Uh, then you can have some of my may apples i I planted like three in my yard (laughs) uh, three years ago and now i do you know how many there are oh they they just appear everywhere yeah it's just okay i'll transplant (laughs) them right right (laughs) right yeah and then in the summer we do have uh also, some of the summer woodland flowers, which is uh, nice. And, uh, and the fall, of course, you've got the prairie there with with a lot of uh, prairie species. And and, and, I, and I and I'm going to find out when I go next week. And I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been there. Oh. I haven't been to see to see mm-hmm. Labat, but that's one of the reasons I'm going next week for for the big celebration. Well, uh, one of the really great things about Labat is that. It's a site. There's some upland, um, and then it drops down onto a floodplain. Right. And when you get onto that floodplain, you don't know you're in the city. You know, it's a magical place. You're really you're in a different world down there. And then you see all of these animals that Jeff was talking about, and the birds. Uh, and it's it's a uh, it's a spectacular place for being right in the city. That is uh, Judy Pollock, by the way, um, from Judy Pollock Consulting, and uh, Jeff Scretney, and he gave me a Scretney. Uh, <laughs> That was the Russians. <laughs> oh, the Russians gave me this. <laughs> oh, I thought it was uh, Tanya Harding. Uh, but that's a different story. Uh, and the, he's also a steward at Laba Woods. They're here to, to talk uh, birds. Uh, you know what? If anybody's got a question, by the way, 877-711-5611, 877-711-5611. We have uh, a frog question on Facebook. Oh, good. Um, are bullfrogs an exotic invasive species? Not in our area, but they are in other places in the United States. So we expect them here, and they are um, a very aggressive, very large frog. But for our area, we should expect them here, and there are things that keep them in balance here. But when you get out west, um, for example, um, I don't remember what national park I was in. We saw some, and I took some photos of some, and I I heard from one of the... um, uh, park rangers, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're working to figure out a plan on how to get rid of them. Um, they take all their native um, western frogs and destroy them. Mm. Oh, They take over a, a space. And, they're, and, they're large. And they're, where are they native to, the bullfrog? Uh, uh, mainly eastern United States. I would have to grab a map, and my friend Joey, who is my herp friend, isn't here to give me that guidance. But, um, you know, they're, they're an eastern um, frog species, eastern and I think a little northern, though they could be down in the... Um, uh, Appalachian branch. Well, you know, and that and that raises that, and we're going to break here in a second. Uh, let you know, uh, but that raises that question about what's a native. You know, well, yes. you could say, "Oh, it's native to the United States," uh, but it's not native to the West, where they multiply like crazy, and you have to put controls on them. There, there are no controls there. Yeah. Ah. So, all right. 
uh, we're going to come back and talk uh, more about what's going on. Uh, as we said, next Saturday is the big celebration of International Migratory Bird Day. One of the things I discovered looking up other things that uh, Migratory Bird Day is celebrated on different dates in different parts of the country right. because birds come at different, different times. And mm-hmm. they fly, you know, and you... This is what happens when you, you, you sit on a Saturday afternoon saying, what, what's, what's the actual date? Nobody knows. Okay. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Stick around. We'll be right back. Did you know that a running toilet can waste up to 200 gallons of water per day? In the Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way living a deeper shade of green. Water is a precious and vital resource, and 750 million people on this planet don't have access to safe, clean water. So let's not waste what we have, okay? According to the EPA, we lose over 1 trillion gallons of water a year to household leaks. So let's fix those leaky faucets, folks. While you're at it, consider installing a low-flow showerhead and a low-flow toilet. And maybe sing a shorter song when you're in the shower, because Americans also use 1.2 trillion gallons of water just showering every year. Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. doing your favorite hits from the 70s, 60s and 70s, right here on the Mike Novak Show. And look it out my back door. Let's see. Uh, you got to go to my uh, website, MikeNovak.net, and take a look at the blog because there's a couple of photographs there that uh, Jeff uh, took, and one of them is the Black Burnian. Is that it? Warbler? Yep. Uh, that's a lovely. You got a, a couple of lovely. Tell us a little bit about the Black Burnian Warbler. Well, that's a that's a great question. I wish I had studied up and had all my answers ready for that. Um, but I, I do know that black burning warbler is one of our most sought after visitors, uh, migrants at Laba. They're a, a, a boreal bird. They they nest in the Tyaga Forest to our north in Canada, and they come through every year annually. And the the picture that you're talking about was a, a male bird. And the reason that that was such a spectacular opportunity for me and several other photographers is that, as I mentioned, is a bird that's normally way up high in the canopy, 40, 60, 80 feet off the ground. And now it was really low. And um, I've never had a chance to photograph the bird um, at eye level 
before. So it was really, it was a, a stunning opportunity. And there were two birds who were competing for my attention. And I'm like, this has never happened. And, and as I said on my <laughs> Facebook page, will probably never happen again. <laughs> well, and, and if folks want to see some of these, um, they can go to uh, the Facebook page, which is not coming up. My my what? My years birding at Laba Woods. I started out um, when we were first raising money for the Laba Shrub Project. We um, we wanted to spend one year doing a um, fundraiser where we, we'd see how many birds we could see. And then people would donate a buck a bird, 50 cents a bird. And so we all were together to see how many species we could see. We saw about 160 species that year. And so my that that Facebook page was my year birding in Labau mm-hmm. Woods. And then at the end of the year, it was like, what are you going to do now? I'm like, well, I'm going to add an S. <laughs> and it became my years birding at Labau Woods. There you Woods. go. That's how that works. Now, uh, the other photo that I put up there is uh, Proto, Proto, Noto... Prothonotary warbler. Prothonotary. Prothonotary. Yeah. Prothonotary. Prothonotary. Yeah, and that's the bird that's singing. And uh, we found no that. There's no H in there, it's, but, but it is prothonotary. Prothonotary warbler. Yeah. And Maybe I spelt it wrong on the uh, on my post. I don't know. That's the way you got it. it, it but but what's cool about it is that is the happiest bird I've ever seen in my entire life. That's just such, and that's part of the reason I put that photo. I was like scrolling through the photos. I went, "That's the one." I'm putting that that guy on there because he is so, or she is so happy. That's a male, um, that's a male. And, and that's that that bird was singing as if it was on a territory. And and um, when Judy and I were in the lobby just before the show, we wanted to bring up the prothonotary warbler. So thank you for that feed. And prothonotary warblers love to nest. In um, nest holes, they're I think the only warbler that's in a nest hole, and um, we've provided a number seven different nesting boxes in, in Laba trying to get them to stay. We have not succeeded yet. But when we see a bird like that singing as if it's trying to attract a female, we get really excited. And that particular Friday, we saw both a male and a female Not on as the site. excited as the females, so, uh, though. Well, the, the reason we have seven boxes up is they um, the males must show the female multiple um, options and start a nest in each one, and then the female will finish, and she chooses which one will be home. All right. We've got uh, some questions here uh, on Facebook uh, and f- some shout-outs here that I want to make sure we get to. Like, uh, um, uh, let's see, Patricia Palmer says, Great to see and hear you. Wonderful broadcast. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I hope you listen regularly to the Mike Novak Show right here on 1590 WCGO, or check out the podcast at MikeNovak.net. Uh, Larry Skillethead uh, says hello. <laughs> Thanks, Skillethead. <laughs> uh, and we, we've got two questions. One um, was from Kim uh, Johansson, who wanted to know if there's going to be some talks next week. Um, and and we'll get let's get into that right away. And then we'll follow up. The question is. Ask Jeff. This is from Bob uh, Ramstall. Bob, you're in trouble after this. Uh, ask Jeff how he feels about <laughs> leash dogs at Labar. Off so, leash dogs. And then there's one other comment that's on the Mike Novak page from, okay. from Andrew, who says, Just to note, the North Mayfair organization has spent years since the 90s to restore the wetlands in Gompers Park. Gompers abuts the Chicago River and is just south and east of Labar. Yes, in fact, it was historically part of the old um, A.J. Snell Woods that is the whole larger Labah complex. Um, it was separated from um, what was the Snell Woods that became the Labah Woods later. And um, they've done great work over there, and they have wonderful um, wetland birds that we see there and sometimes don't see at Labah Woods because it's a little more open over there. It's a fantastic space, and um, it's one of the best parks in the city mm. for um, wetland birds. 
So there you go. We're always happy to 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 give a plug to whatever park you you know. You can always call in or, or write to us on Facebook. Uh, our number here eight seven 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 one one five six one one. You can find that at mikenovak.net and on the Facebook page. All right, Judy, so, to get to know, the activities of that's uh, what I was going to get weekend. to right yeah, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Um, there's a it's it's a very family friendly and it's also I think great for adults who are just interested in learning about birds. Um, we've been talking about warblers and this month is the month that uh, many warblers and many other species of migratory birds pass through. So next next week we should still be in the thick of it. How many warblers have you seen at Labaw? We've recorded 34 species of warbler at Labaw Woods. Right, which are these beautiful little jewel-like birds um, that you find up in the canopy, down low, uh, you know, um, throughout the woods. And so um, we'll have some bird banders there from University of Illinois and also from Audubon Great Lakes, which means they set up these mist nets and the birds fly into them. And then uh, they put a little band on the bird so that when they're caught again, you can tell their migration patterns. So that gives uh, visitors a great chance to see these birds up close in the hand. I am so excited about that. Uh, yeah. And and then there'll be some... Do you lo- not, I take it that is not done very often. Right. Special yeah. permits yeah. and training requirements. Right. Uh, right. So has mm-hmm. it happened at Labaw Woods before? Uh, yeah. The last the last event that we had, um, yeah, which was uh, pouring. And so we, they didn't really get many birds. But, you know, I I'm hope this one will be different. <laughs> okay. And... Um, the there'll be a, a live raptor, so the forest preserves of Cook County will be there. Their staff with some of their live raptors. Um, we set up a little b- bird blind, a- a- aka a shower curtain with a hole in it um, at, at the base of. We have this sort of little um, backwater uh, slough uh, there, which is a body of water that always has herons and wood ducks, and lots of birds will be down attracted to the water. So we, we put a little blind people can stand behind, and um, that will be someone from Illinois, Young Birders, who's going to be uh, showing people the birds there. So if you have a young birder in your family and want to learn about that organization, mm-hmm. you can come out. Uh, we'll be doing other bird walks, Chicago Ornithological Society, Open Lands are, are doing bird walks. And then There'll also be a lot of organizations that are just, uh, you know, doing activities. The Field Museum will be there with bird skins you can look at. There are going to be, uh, you know, kids' activities. Uh, there's a migration game that kids can play, coloring, uh, I et cetera, have, et I have to ask this. With all those people there, is it likely to keep more birds away? Uh, no, I don't think so. We, the, we have the event set up on a big lawn, uh, and okay. then, you know, the walks uh, go out into the so woods. So we disperse in smaller groups yes, into the yeah. woods. So. Oh, yeah, and one other key thing is the, that the Centennial Volunteers, <laughs> um, you know, led by Jeff and uh, Katie Krigbaum, are going to be doing a tour of the shrub planting. So if people want to know what kind of shrubs they can plant in their yard, they can come and look at them, see what we've planted, learn about them, and also... The, the restoration that we're doing there is really um, pretty unusual and new. So people can just learn about how it is that we're restoring these woods for migratory birds and trying to restore the shrub layer. A lot of problems with the shrub layer. The invasives come and crowd them out, and then the deer really hammer them. So we've we've had to try to solve, do a lot of problem solving. to Yeah, get no one wants growing. to do floodplain restoration. No one wants right, to try to right. plant in floodplains because they flood. Uh, yeah, and they bring yeah. lots, of, lots and lots of invasives come mm-hmm. from upriver, uh, so they have huge invasive problems. So that's again, we're you know we're having to be creative and solve problems around that. And this all starts at 
Oh, it all starts at 9 a.m. on Saturday and goes till 11.30. Which yeah. is not a and lot of time, can, really. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty quick. Oh, It'll be a packed two and a half hours. One, yeah. one other highlight that I forgot to mention is that the North Branch Restoration Project has a little singing group spinoff called the Bullfrogs, and they'll be there ah, yes. singing. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've had them. I've, I've played their stuff on the show. I've seen them <laughs> sing in person. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all happening there. Um, uh, on uh, Saturday, next Saturday, the 19th. Uh, so show up. Uh, uh, do folks need to register? Does it, it's no, a- just show up. You know, and actually, one just other join us. one yeah. other highlight: the, <laughs> the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors will be there, showing people ah. how to um, treat their windows if they have mm-hmm. problem windows that kill birds. So those are the people that are down in the loop, yeah. uh, picking up birds from the dead buildings. So, well, actually, the last uh, the time dead birds from the buildings. Well, yeah. or the buildings. Yeah, the last time you were on the show, we were talking briefly about Northwestern. And what yes. they're doing with windows and yes. bird collision and monitoring. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's good to see that they are taking a lot of positive steps to really affect the Evanston campus. I don't know if you want to add something. Yes. That. Yeah. Well, they've um, they've treated one building completely. You know, they're 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 partially treating another building. This spring has been a really busy spring. So the monitors there have picked up uh, a lot of birds. So, you know, as they learn, really learn the buildings and where the problems are, they're hoping to work with Northwestern to continue treating them. But, All right. So now I'm going to put my finger on the panic button and talk to Jeff about dogs. Uh, is, it, is this actually a problem or is this uh, just uh, Bob uh, causing trouble here? It is a problem, and Bob is causing trouble here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yes. Um, Labau Woods, as all the Cook County Forest Preserves, welcomes um, people to bring their dogs and walk them. I've made friends with a number of our local dogs and dog walkers. Um, we just ask that they keep them on a leash and not a 75-foot leash. That's not really a leash. Um, you can't control your dog when he's running on a leash that large. Um, the dogs who run through the forest, um, um, they create many nuisances for our migrating birds. And and this is... Um, they, they they call these the um, Cook County Forest Preserves. We're trying to preserve the wildlife there. And if we're, we have dogs, which are a predator running through, um, unleashed, we know that they won't eat a deer, but the deer don't know that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen two female, um, uh, two does who have miscarried in their delivery because dogs are running through and scared up a, a doe who is trying to give birth. And and. The dog owner doesn't know that that's going to happen. The dog doesn't know that that's going to happen. But those are the things that can happen when there's a dog off leash. So just bring your dogs in. We welcome them. Um, they, they come through on a leash, and, and everybody will be able to respond more safely. The second thing I'd like to remind all dog owners who might think it's a good idea to let their dogs go through off the leash is right now Laba has a virus that's found in um, raccoon um, feces, scat, and it will cause blindness in your dog, and it could kill your dog if they sniff up on this um, mm. raccoon scat. I'm, I'm sorry I don't remember the scientific name, but I've run into two dog owners who've both almost lost their dogs, mm. and each of their dogs lost vision in one eye. All right, that's good to know. Uh, the International Migratory Bird Day celebration next Saturday at Labaw Woods, Chicago, 9 to 1130, 5400 North Cicero Avenue. Just show up. Bring your binoculars, of course. Uh, or they'll lend them to you. All right. Rick DeMaio Weather coming up. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Maleku. Did you grow an award-winning garden last year? Yes. But did you receive an award for it? No. Well, then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards competition when 46 great gardens from 26 city wards were honored. 
But fear not, Chicago Gardeners, we're doing it again this year, starting right now. And we want you to enter your garden. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your garden might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking for ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. You have until June 20th to register. And did I mention it's free and presented in part by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, and some other pretty great organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards on Facebook or chicagogardeningawards.org and get your garden in the game. Even nature needs a night out. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18th from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, a DJ, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Afternoons have never been smarter. 1590 WCGO. Smart Talk for the North Shore. All right. I had to put a song in here that Facebook was going to uh, zap. <laughs> They'll send us, they send these little messages that said, uh, 20 seconds of your program has been muted. Uh, because you didn't sign the agreement. All right, whatever. Uh, this is radio, Facebook. I'm just letting you know it's radio. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. I want to, yes, you know, Jeff, you've never even been here, and he knows where the dingers were. And he knows that, and he's the virtual and, dinger. The virtual dinger. Uh, let's bring in uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist. And uh, I want to say good morning to Rick and introduce him to our two guests in the studio, Judy Pollack and Jeff Scrantney. And uh, uh, Rick, I have to ask you, have you ever been to Labaw Woods yourself? Oh, yeah, many times, many times. I've been there, <clears throat> um, I think it was back in the, ooh, I want to say, early to mid-90s when I was um, heavily involved in Friends of the Chicago River, uh, worked along, I forget exactly her name, I think it was Cynthia Fox. Oh, yeah, ring a bell? yes, yep. Yeah, yeah. I lost track of her once I left um, uh, TV, but I was I was heavily involved with that for uh, almost seemed like ten years, and part of that was also kind of an offshoot of uh, working with Chicago Public School um, System and also with um, um, some other some other students that I had as interns when I was on TV. But um, that area, I don't know if you guys have have noticed. But it seems that after two inches of rain, uh, and Jeff and Judy, you could maybe attest to this, it doesn't seem to drain as much as it used to. Have you noticed that? Well, I can tell you that the floodplain works to do its job as a floodplain, um, and it seems to fill up much more quickly recently. Um, I'm personally looking forward to the removal of the dam down at um, 
where the river meets the um, the North Shore Channel um, in what is right. that? Um, um, is that Argyle? Is that like just north of Foster Avenue? I think it's just north of Argyle. Yeah, um, uh, on, yeah, on the branch. Yeah, Albany Park. Yeah. yeah. Park, yeah. yeah. Albany Park, yeah, but but I have noticed, and and I'm I'm trying to do a little bit more uh, tracking of the river gauges in my spare time um, to see whether or not uh, historically they are at where they should be after a certain amount of rain. And I think I may actually uh, ask the um, hydrological meteorologist at the National Weather Service office um, if they've noticed the same thing, because driving through that area, and I drive through it probably two or three times a week. Um, whether it's on Foster or Golf Road or Dempster, it just seems like there's more water in that floodplain uh, than there usually is after a certain amount of rain. So clearly the floodplain is doing its job. But the question I have to myself, uh, Mike and Peg and Judy and Jeff, are we seeing more flooding with less rain due to two things? Um, obviously human involvement, um, and maybe some of the invasive species are not allowing the water to drain into the uh, basically the oxbow lake areas and some of the uh, marshes as they did before. Obviously, this has a lot of questions with it, but I've just noticed, you know, offhand, it just seems to flood quicker and drain slower. Well, I'd just say to you that if you do any work in that area, we would love to be involved or know what you learn. <laughs> uh, and I, I so, so, so I would encourage you to, to do that work, and we would love to, to yeah. know what you learn because – I have seen it as well. One inch the other day, and the floodplain was completely underwater, which I, I just yeah. don't remember it happening with one inch of rain before. Yeah. Well, and as right. the as, as the uh, area is around the the preserves is hardened and more and more hard surfaces, you know, you, the rivers just have to bear more and more. I don't think it's related to invasive species because I think we've been taking invasive species out. So the you know that trend has gone okay. in the opposite direction. Yeah. So it's it's you know, it's what we're building. It's interesting. I was up at the College of Lake County on, um, on Tuesday night. I, I, I teach a natural disasters class up there. And one of the students, an older student, um, she wanted to do her project on the flooding of the Fox Lake or Fox River system, you want to call mm-hmm. it that, from last year. And, and part, of the, part of the reason why she wanted to do a project on that was, um, and she's an adult student, she's probably in her early 40s, and she said to me, she goes, you know what, Rick? It's flooding earlier, it's flooding longer, um, and not only is it um, something that is, you know, more and more of a, a hazard becoming a disaster, but it's also having an impact on the local economy as well because people can't get back and, and use it from a standpoint of recreation as well. So, um, you know, dovetailing that into the conversation about how much rain we had last night, Mike and Peg, I sent you some information. I think, Peg, you were out yesterday, and yes, when you sent me the email about uh, the wind chill was 35 degrees. The, thir- the first thing I thought of was, well, it's it's too warm to snow. But it was it was pretty it was pretty cold for the 11th of May, wasn't it? It, it was pretty cold for the Chicago River cleanup day yesterday. Oh Definitely. my goodness! And, you know, and Rick uh, and I said this earlier, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here, uh, but earlier in the, in the show, early in the show, I talked about the, all the folks who got their tomatoes out last week because oh. they they. It, it, it was yeah, but it was eighty degrees, and they looked at the ten day, and the ten day yep. did not have this. So why? What went wrong? Why did the ten day not Where have did this, this come from? Yeah, you know what? You're talking about the six to ten day, right? I guess um, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think one of the problems with that is that 
over a 10-day period, you will most likely be at or slightly above normal, which I think that's what it was saying. So when you have three days out of the 10 days where you're actually below normal, the average does not does not really come out in those three days. I totally agree with you, Mike, and that's one of the problems with that. Um, and I think farmers have also realized that those forecasts are just not very good. Um, when you get down into what you really need to know day to day, I think last week when you asked me about a forecast for you know for Saturday, and I said seven days out at this time of the year, it could be eighty-five or it could be forty-five. Yeah, and that and that I think it was it was based on the fact that the front was going to be a little bit to the north of us. But so, the bottom line yeah. is not only was it was it cool, but it was downright cold. It, yeah. it really, it really is just brutal, and I'm sure it's not everywhere. But right in the city, right by the lake, and probably inland, it's not, it's not as bad, but it's not great. Oh, it, it, it was. I mean, you had, you had 40, almost 20 miles inland, and you had literally a 45 degree temperature difference between you know Waukegan and Pontiac, and and part of the reason is Hudson's Bay is still completely frozen over. Right. Um, and this is where the cold air is coming from, wow. and the northern Great Lakes are still very cold. So the Great Lakes, again, modify everything. So again, um, so we have enough time to get into the forecast. About two inches of rain came down across southern Cook County, and you know, if you're driving around anywhere outside, it's almost like you have a neighborhood florist. Every tree, every bush is saying hello with their leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. it, I think this is... This is the most beautiful time of spring because Agreed. things aren't completely bloomed out or leafed out, so you have a much better time of identifying all the different species. And it, it really is, I, I think, amazing to take a walk through the woods, even on a day like today. If it's cloudy and drizzly out, you go, wow, look at that bush and look at that tree and look at that grass, and you can almost literally see like 10 different shades of green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really yeah. is quite amazing. And, and it's... And it's also a testament to the fact that we've had the right amount of rain. We had the right amount of, of warmth and coolness. So I think going into the, into the growing season, every farmer has a smile on their face. Even though they planted probably a little bit late, this has been great weather. Right. So another inch to maybe inch and a half of rainfall coming at us tonight. Um, and then we'll actually get another batch of rain during the day on Monday. And finally, we dry out for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday when temperatures are more seasonal in the upper 60s and the low to mid-70s. Uh, and, and you will not give us a forecast for next Saturday, will you? Because Jeff really wanted it, really wants it. <laughs> that this time of year is, is a little bit is a little bit difficult. Because way, I don't think it'll be as cool as it was this past Saturday, but um, the pattern still is somewhat somewhat, uh, we'll, we'll say, unsettled over the next seven days. All right. I don't think I'd go out that far. That's great. Rick DeMaio, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. All right. I want to thank uh, Renee Costanzo and Lourdes Valenzuela from the Kilbourne Park Organic Greenhouse. Obviously, Judy Pilek and Jeff Scretney, and I just got Scretneyed here. Uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody. We didn't say that. Ding. Until next Sunday, go green or go home. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.